The title of the message is Receive the Holy Spirit. Please say this with me, Receive the Holy Spirit. A very simple title, but this is what Pentecost is all about. And for those that are watching us on television, great to have you with us for our Pentecost Sunday service. Please turn so long to Acts chapter 19, and uh, it'll be verse 1 to 8 that we will look at. So it won't appear on your screen so that you can follow in your Bible. As you turn into Acts 19, let me say by way of introduction that uh, this deals with the Apostle Paul who was ministering. Now, the Apostle Paul undertook quite a few missionary journeys. And you've heard of Paul's missionary journeys. I'm sure you've heard of that. And, and some say there's three. And, but if you include this one, then there's four. But actually, if you look at many different texts in the Bible, it would seem that Paul had many, many missionary journeys. And some have suggested that he maybe liked to travel. And that's why there were so many journeys. But I believe he was simply compelled by the love of God and wanted to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is what compelled him to spread the gospel and to be a minister of the gospel going far and wide. Now, in Acts 19, this is his third missionary journey. And here he arrives in Ephesus. Ephesus, quite a big city on the day, in that day, lots of commerce and trade, uh, lots of trade and shipping routes there, it was on the coast. And so here, Paul arrives in Ephesus, and this is where we pick up our story, Acts 19, verse 1 to 8 in the New King James Version. And it happened, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, here comes Paul onto the scene. Having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, would you please say the word disciples? He said to them, did you, and here's the title of our message, receive the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Take note of the priority that's in Paul's heart and mind. First encounter with him. What's he asked? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Folks, isn't that beautiful? This is Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Sometimes I feel that uh, now in 2019, some people have lost the passion for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some have lost the passion for the gift of speaking in other tongues. And I believe more churches should be talking about this reality 
that we want the fullness of the Spirit of God in our lives. And so this is what happened. They, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now, there were about 12 in all. So you kind of think Paul's obviously speaking to lots of people, but he's actually speaking to a small little group of 12 disciples that he found. And then in verse 8, the last verse, it says, And he, Paul, went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months. Why could he speak boldly? Because he was full of the Spirit. This was not just a natural boldness or an eloquence of speech because he said he didn't have that. He said, I don't come in you know, eloquence of speech and words of wisdom and so on. I come in the demonstration of the Spirit of God in power. And now he is and he's reasoning with them. And he's persuading them concerning the things of the kingdom of God. Wow. The Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Amen. Good. This is a good passage, man. Now, essentially, there are three things that are being dealt with in this passage. The first one is repentance. The second one is baptism. The third one is receiving the Holy Spirit. So let's take a look at those three areas in the three points I'm about to share with you. Number one, repentance remains a necessary step towards believing in Christ. Can you have a sense of agreement in your heart with that? Good. Wouldn't you say that aloud with me, please? Repentance remains a necessary step towards believing in Christ. And the scripture from our text, which is uh, Acts 19 verse 4, relating to this says, Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who had come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. A question that needs to be asked is, is repentance still necessary today? Now, obviously, through the point I've mentioned, the answer is yes. But it needs to be a clear and resounding re uh, yes. Let me tell you, if repentance was not necessary, God would not have had to send John the Baptist. But he did send John the Baptist because repentance is necessary as a step towards coming to believing in Jesus Christ. These days, I, I've become aware of some people that have begun to undermine repentance. And they say, no, it's not really necessary and so on. And, and they try to sort of break down the importance of repentance. And they say, it's only necessary that you believe. Well, I want to tell you that that is an incomplete truth. And I believe that in this, this day and age, we must watch out. Because the enemy wants to come in with all sorts of crazy doctrines and lies and all sorts of things. And, and I want to tell you, in this local church, our passion is we will be a Bible-believing church. And whatever the Word of God says, that is what goes in our context. And so we mustn't give in to nonsense that people are speaking about to say they don't need repentance. I want to tell you what the Bible says. In 2 Peter 3 verse 9, it says, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I want to tell you, when you've been far from God, living a life disconnected, you have to repent and then come to Christ Jesus. 
Repentance is most definitely still necessary. It cannot and must not be disregarded. It prepares the way for coming to Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? Now, the Greek word for repentance is metanoia. Won't you say that? Metanoia. It's not difficult to say. And essentially, metanoia means a change of mind, a complete change of mind. It means turning away from a lifestyle where I'm just doing my thing, pursuing my own thing, turning away from that lifestyle of sin and turning to Christ Jesus. It is a 180 degree turnaround. So here you are, an unsaved person, and you are walking along. As, as you're walking along in your life, you're doing your own thing. You're not surrendered to Christ. Whatever you feel to do, you do and you carry on. And suddenly you discover, no, this is not the way to live. You get convicted by the Holy Spirit and you turn, you repent of the sin and the lifestyle and doing what you wanting to do. And you turn to Christ Jesus and you discover the destiny that you have in him, which is altogether wonderful. And the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. It is so wonderful. Repentance is wonderful because it turns us away from the lies of the devil to the truth of the kingdom of God. It's interesting that Paul, he did not nullify repentance when he was speaking here. He didn't negate repentance and the need for repentance. He actually endorsed it. And then he added that there's more. Folks, besides for repentance, you need to go on to experience baptism as a believer, believer's baptism. Also, you can go on to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit, which is what these disciples experienced in the book of Acts. It says in Matthew 3, verse 11, this is John speaking, John the Baptist. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he, that's Jesus, who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. And listen what it says. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I ask you today, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? I trust that you have. And so it's interesting to me that Paul validated repentance and then made them hungry for more things in God. That's point number one. On to point number two. When confronted with the truth about baptism, they were eager to respond. Won't you say this aloud with me? When confronted with the truth about baptism, they were eager to respond. And the scripture from our text, verse 5 says, When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know what, folks? This is lovely to see. It's lovely to see the response of these disciples as Paul speaks to them and they begin to realize some things and their response is, okay, well, if this is God's will, I want to do it. I'm sure it so blesses the heart of God when he sees you and I willing and obedient and ready to respond to the things of the Lord. You know what, folks? I believe that it's so important that we would be responsive to the things of God. 
I do believe that this is one of the reasons why some Christians experience just a, a, a greater wonderful walk with God is because they are just willing and obedient. You know what the Bible says? My people will be willing in the day of my power. Let your heart be soft. Let it be responsive. When you read something in the Word of God and you realize this is the truth, then you should say, I want to do it. The sooner the better. I want to respond to God. And so when they understood more clearly the next steps, they were willing and eager to respond. And it appears that they were baptized without any delay. I want to say that I have spoken to people in the congregation here over the, over the years, over time, and, and sometimes I've spoken to someone, I become aware they've not yet been baptized, as in believers' baptism by immersion, and I ask them about that, and I know that they do love the Lord, they've committed their lives to Christ, and I say, but why? And then sometimes they say they're waiting for the right time, or sometimes they say they're waiting for God to speak to them. I would submit to you, my humble submission to you, is that God has already spoken to you and that we should be baptized. When you're at an age where you can begin to understand these things of repentance and then you can go in uh, with getting baptized, go through with that. Now, Acts chapter 8, you don't have to turn there, but we find another story about a man who was eager to get baptized. And uh, he was going to get baptized right away. It was the Ethiopian eunuch. He was basically a treasurer in Ethiopia. And he was one of their officials. Now, it says that Philip, who was a man of God, was supernaturally led into the situation of ministering to the Ethiopian eunuch. And it says in the scripture that Philip was going to baptize him. It says, uh, the scripture says, when Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, listen to this, they went down into the water and then they came up out of the water. And I believe that this is a picture of New Testament believers' baptism. Can I get an amen on that? And I want to say to you today, very clearly and unapologetically, that infant baptism is not biblical baptism. I expected a bigger response to that. <laughs> infant baptism is not biblical baptism. Why is it that we would be more concerned about the traditions of men than the infallible word of God. I cannot understand it. But I want to tell you, the biblical pattern, the picture that we see is abundantly clear in the word of God. And I believe that more and more in the city, that we need to see people in their thousands and tens of thousands coming to Christ and then being baptized and experiencing the conversion experience where God completely turns their lives around. The Bible says, repent and be baptized. And you know what? A little baby has no understanding of the concept of repentance. It does not. But an adult can understand and recognize that there is sin and the need to repent from sin. 
And so let's not follow the traditions of men, but rather the infallible word of God. And you know what? I believe that some people have been robbed through forms of baptism which do not align with the word of God. But the biblical pattern is quite clear. Can I get a loud amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to give you three compelling reasons just quickly on why you should be baptized. Now, I would believe that maybe 75% of the congregation here has been baptized, but I believe that many also have not been baptized. Three reasons why you should be baptized. Number one, Jesus himself was baptized. He was baptized in the Jordan River. He set the example for us, and that example is one in which we should follow. That's the first reason. The second reason why we should be baptized is Jesus, listen to this, made and baptized more disciples than John the Baptist. You can look at it for yourself. It's in uh, John chapter 4, verse 1. Directly under his ministry, right there, under his oversight, more people were baptized than under the ministry of John the Baptist, who got the name for baptizing a hang of a lot of people. Now, if Jesus only had three and a half years of public ministry... And yet he baptized more disciples than John the Baptist. What does it tell you? It tells you that baptism is important. It is not trivial. It is crucial. It is important. And I want people to walk away with a sense that this is important. It's not just oh, this optional thing, but I believe why stop at a certain point where we want to go for everything that God has in store for us. Come on, church. We want to respond to God. We want to do whatever he says if it is in the word of God. And also, the third reason is Jesus commanded us to be baptized. If you've forgotten the first two reasons, just remember this one. <laughs> Jesus commanded us to be baptized. And it says in Matthew 28, verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. Do you know what that is? It is a command. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that it, that is it. So those are the three reasons why you should be baptized. There's many more. The first one, Jesus himself was baptized. The second one, Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John the Baptist. That talks to priority. And the third one, Jesus simply commanded us to be baptized. And so I want to say to you, church, if you are here and you have given your life to Jesus Christ, at the next opportunity where there is an opportunity to be baptized, say yes to God. And follow him through the waters of baptism. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, just uh, lastly, under point number two, here in Acts 19, we see a specific pattern of things. And the pattern is as follows it is on your screen. Firstly, in these believers that Paul came to at Ephesus, firstly, there was faith because they were referred to as disciples. And Paul sought them out as disciples. What happened next? Secondly, there was baptism. Believers' baptism took place. Thirdly, there was the laying on of hands. And then fourthly, there was the receiving of the Holy Spirit. By the way, when I pray for somebody for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what I do is I lay my hands on them because I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit and any child of God is baptized with the Holy Spirit. You can impart the baptism of the Spirit. And so you lay your hands on them and you pray a prayer and you say, Lord, I release and impart onto them the baptism and the fullness of the Spirit of God. 
Would you come upon them right now? And then you give them a moment just to receive, just to receive. And then I begin to pray in tongues. And I encourage people just to start to say hallelujah, hallelujah. And just begin to let the Lord just loosen their tongue. And that language will come as the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us. Now, point number three is the last point I want to share with you. Number three, Paul's determined purpose was to get them filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. Filled and empowered. Would you say that with me? Filled and empowered. The scripture says in Acts 19 verse 2, he, Paul said to them, did you receive the Spirit, Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now, I, I'm struck by what is on Paul's mind, because here he comes and engages with this group of believers, and the first thing that is a priority on this man of God, Paul the Apostle, he wants to know, did you get the Holy Spirit? I know you are believers, but did you get the Holy Spirit? And I believe that we should have a passion for making sure other people who we know love the Lord, we need to also ask, did you get the Holy Spirit? It is important. And that's what was in Paul's mind. It was his goal. It was his main focus. And you know what? I believe that if it mattered so much to Paul that people would be empowered by the Spirit of God, I would humbly submit to you that it should matter to you as well that people don't just stay as a believer only, but they go on into the fullness of the Spirit of God. It should matter to you too. It mattered to the Apostle Paul. Why is it so important to receive the Holy Spirit? You say, John, we're talking about receiving the Spirit of God. Why is it so important? Well, let me tell you, actually, there's a myriad of reasons why we should long to receive the Spirit. A few ones quickly. Because we want to receive the Spirit of God because He does the following. He reveals Jesus to us. He helps us in our weaknesses. He is our helper. He guides us into all truth. He activates the gifts of the Holy Spirit within us. He shows us of things to come, the Bible says. He strengthens us in our inner being. The Bible says that He will strengthen you with mighty power by your Spirit on the inner being. I don't know if anyone else needs strength, but I need more strength from the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of God does that to help you live on top. And also, He empowers us to witness. I want to tell you, if you're trying to make a difference in your working environment where you live and you're a Christian, but you're not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit, the effect will be not that great. But when the Spirit of God comes upon you and you are baptized, what happens is the power of God begins to be actively functioning within you, not only to live the Christian life, but also to be a witness and make a difference. Can I get an amen? amen. And you know what? These disciples in Ephesus... When Paul first came, listen, listen, listen carefully, they weren't really making a difference. <laughs> they were just sort of carrying on, and, but then it was Paul who helped them to get into the fullness, and you know what? It was Paul that then went into the synagogue and for three months began to, as the Bible says, speak boldly and persuade in the synagogue for three months. Why could Paul speak boldly? Essentially, that's saying that Paul was a man full of the Spirit of God. And that's why he could have an influence. I want to remind you, 
Church of Jesus Christ, it is not by mal- not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. In your life, it is by the power of the Spirit of God. We are drawing to a close. Let me, uh, as I'm starting to draw to a close, I want to say what amazes me is here, these disciples, they were called disciples, had no idea that there is a realm of the Spirit that they knew nothing of. They knew nothing of the person and the ministry of the Spirit of God. You could be here today, and this is the very first time that you're even beginning to hear about the precious Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you that even though this is the first time, it is good news because you can experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where God's Spirit comes upon you and empowers you in a new way. Maybe you feel like those disciples, not knowing about the Spirit, but I want to tell you that can change today. Maybe you are someone here who, in our times of uh, worship and so on, there are times when we sing together or pray together in a heavenly language, in the, the language of tongues. And maybe some of you have felt a little bit out, and you felt like, I would, I would like to experience that. And I want to say to you that there's going to be an opportunity now at the end where we can pray for you that you can experience this too. But let me tell you, the good news is Jesus loves to baptize his people with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So don't think God is wanting to withhold. No, he wants to give you the precious person of the Holy Spirit. And here, the main outcome of our scripture passage today, it's on your screen, Acts 19, verse 6. It says, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Let's just also look at that in the Amplified Bible. It's also on your screen. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they began speaking in unknown tongues, languages, and and prophesying. May I ask you the same question that Paul asked these believers in Ephesus. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I would well believe that maybe 80% of the congregation here today has received that. I want to say, did you also experience the evidence of tongues? Because I believe that God loves to baptize people and then let them speak in tongues as evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to say to you, what God did for these believers, He wants to do for you. What you have to do is you have to be thirsty. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and out of the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke concerning the Spirit, because the Spirit would be given after Jesus was glorified. And so I want to tell you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit results in a stream of God that flows out of you, and he never takes away that gift. What a glorious God we serve. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Amen.